At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. Jeffrey Darty is my uh, guest this hour, ExoNation, and I'm so happy to have uh, Jeffrey on the show. He's bringing up a lot of points, and I hope that you will have the opportunity to, to ask questions. You know, we have that right to ask questions. That's the only way we're going to get answers. And like I was saying earlier before, we know for a fact that history has lied. The scriptures have lied. We know this. It's, it's, it's unequivocal proof. And yet... The majority of you out there refuse to say anything about it, refuse to do anything about it, because you don't want to, you know, cause waves in the water. Stand up and be counted. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, man. Come on, let's let's stop being part of the problem. I, I don't want to be a sheep. I'm not a sheep. Neither are you. You have your own ability to form your own thoughts. And I'll tell you something. If, what, if somebody wants to practice any religious philosophy... Good for them. It is their right. But as it is their right to practice the philosophy, it is your right to question its validity. In a respectful way, no less. But still, you have that right. And Jeffrey, something that's really bothered me, and I have to get it off my chest, is that whenever you go into a church in North America, you always see this blue-eyed, fair-skinned Jesus. Well, unless my... My ideas are wrong. If somebody is born in the Middle East, shouldn't he have black hair, dark eyes, and dark skin? Well, it would certainly seem that way, and I think it's part of uh, what you hit on there just a moment ago. It is time for us to ask questions, Mm -hmm. but in my view, it's also time for us to question answers as well and to think for ourselves, to unindoctrinate ourselves. And, Rob, I'm not trying to tell anyone what to believe. I got out of that business when I left the church. You have the right to believe what you want to believe. I also believe you have the right to as much data as possible Mm -hmm. to base your opinions upon. So at the end of the day, if you listen to what I'm saying, if you look at my 1,100 videos on my YouTube and you decide this guy's nuts, great. Or if you decide, you know what, maybe I should look into this, great. All I'm really trying to provoke people to do, Rob, is ask questions for themselves, think for themselves. And wait a minute, this guy's from the Middle East, yeah. blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin, little dainty hands, never did a day of work in his life. What's the likelihood exactly. of that really happening? And why are they trying to show us this stuff? Seems like somebody might be hiding something. Maybe I should take a, a closer look. Maybe. Tell me about the Mandela Effect. You've written a book on it. You've talked about it. How do you The Mandela Effect, I got pulled into a kicking and screaming, Rob. I'm sorry we had a little bit of delay. I didn't mean to talk over you. No problem. But I got pulled into a kicking and screaming. People are asking me, Mandela Effect, and I'm like, I don't even want to approach this. I'm not a a pop culture kind Mm -hmm. of guy. But I said, okay, I'll look at it. And my hands almost flew into the book of Daniel. And before I knew it, Rob, I saw the prophet Daniel 3,000 years ago predicting a move by what he called an antichrist power that would think to change notable events, that would think to change timelines, and that would think to create divergent timelines in an effort to distract people and keep people um, from receiving a great onslaught of new truth that was coming Uh, from the divine. So I think it's without a doubt scripturally that the Mandela effect is something that has been, I think it's real, and I think it's being leveraged for distraction and keep us from understanding some deep truths that are coming out. And when you have things where there's no more, Lucy, you got some explaining to do. I know that was there. (laughs) When you've got Darth Vader saying things he never said, when you got, it's not if you build it, he will come. It's if you build it, they will come. And you see this... uh, there's something there, Rob. I don't know what it is, but there is literally 
something there, and I hope that we don't spend too much time being distracted by it, but understand, hey, Daniel said this is a distraction. What's the real truth we're supposed to get? But it is real. It's weird, but I can't deny it anymore. <laughs> Listen, we've got about seven minutes left, and I'd like to talk to you about exorcisms. You've done them. What is the the inner workings of an exorcism? Not the exorcism that we see on TV in The Exorcist, but the real, real story. Right. And Rob, let me say that most people that are under, hearing the sound of our voices, they're never going to have a problem with a real demon or a real devil. If we can conquer that demon and devil that we look at in the mirror every mm-hmm. day, that's really our biggest fight. But I'm convinced, Rob, and my, my, my ideas have morphed on this a little bit, but I'm convinced that the church and the demons are in business together. I know that sounds crazy, but listen to what I'm saying here, if you will. Sure. Demons manifest. The Catholic priest comes in. They battle. Demons leave. People are impressed. Oh, my, this is great. But there's a verse that uh, the Christ said, listen, when a demon is cast out of a person, the demon goes out, looks around, goes back to the person where he was cast out of, and brings back seven more that are worse than him. So consider this scenario. You've got a church that is losing its power, a church that's losing its influence, a church that's losing much of its followers. Mm -hmm. What better way to motivate people to come back to church then, oh, no, there's a demon, there's a devil behind every bush, and you yeah. see this explosion of exorcism. I'm convinced that the church has worked a deal with the demons. Hey, look, you come in, you cause a bunch of problems, you let us cast you out, and what you get is you get to go out and bring seven more people back, in, or seven more demons worse than you, back in and give them a home. And you've got this mutually perpetuating scenario where the church gets to have people come back because they're afraid. The church gets to, quote-unquote, manifest power, and these demons get to keep coming back into people. One hand washes the other, and we're still caught in a fear and, uh, and guilt and control matrix, and we're not realizing we're divine. We're not realizing we're sovereign. We're not realizing we are free, and the matrix goes on, Rob. Why are people in today's society so hell-bent on communicating with the dead, you know, mediums, trans channels, uh, you know, so many people are now getting into uh, life after death, life before death, reincarnation. What is your take on, on this topic, the fringe? Well, Rob, I think that part of it is the fact that people are, you know, they've been sitting in churches for years. They mm-hmm. realize there's no power there. They realize there's no truth there. They realize that even though they're doing their best to get into spirituality, it's leaving them empty. And yet they go home and they're saying they just can't shake the fact that there really is something out there. They can't find answers in the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're going and looking for answers in other places, maybe not the best of places, but I'm pretty optimistic that if you start looking outside the church for other areas of spirituality, I think that you might just stumble upon the truth. And I think just being objective and just being willing to look other places than where you've always looked, that's a great way to start to actually down the road towards enlightenment. I agree with you. Do you think it's too late? Do you think that there's going to be an Armageddon and the proportions as depicted in the Bible? Or do you think that this is just another bunch of fairy tales? Well, Rob, I think that as things were going, that we were headed towards that Armageddon. We were headed towards what I think would have been a great a false flag, mm-hmm. alien, Jesus, return. But I think with your work, and I think with the work I'm trying to do, I'm really optimistic that we're getting enough information out that we may be disrupting the narrative that they were hoping to perpetuate upon us. And I really believe that we might have got to the place where we're kind of tinkering or teetering on the balance, that we can get enough information out, we can get enough people to wake up and say, hmm, I wonder about this that we might make it impossible for this false flag alien scenario to happen. And then the question becomes, Rob, they're not going to give up. What else are they going to do? And we need to remain diligent and, and uh, alert and remember that we're divine, we're sovereign, and we're free, in my humble opinion. You know, so many people say that we all have free will, and I think the, the free will phrase is, is overused, and it is the greatest religious, philosophical get-out-of-jail card that has ever been created. My questions are, if there is a God out there, why does he allow the evil, the pain, the misery to go on in the world? 
that he created, with the people that he created, why is there so much suffering? Why doesn't he or she or they do something about it? And you can never get an answer. Well, Rob, think about this as we close. I know we're running out of time, but what if the gods created us, and I believe the Scripture teaches this, they created us, Mm -hmm. they created an arena where we could grow and develop and that we are actually Elohim in training. And when we're saying, why won't God do something, what we're really asking ourselves is, why haven't we grown and developed and manifested in our in our Elohimness, if you will. Right. Instead of asking why won't God do something, maybe it's time to ask why haven't we done something. I agree. That's something new to think about. I love it. I love it, Jeffrey. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Continued success, and let our listeners know how they can find about out about you and your YouTube channel. Easiest thing, Rob. Just go onto the onto YouTube. Type in Jeff Darty or Christian Whistleblower. It comes up very easily. There's a link to my website there. There's 1,100 videos. They're all broken down by categories. You can find, I like to think it's one-stop shopping for all the heresy that I had to provide. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey, thank you so much. My very best to you, your family, and like I said to you before we went on air, a very happy, healthy, spiritually filled New Year. Likewise, my friend. Thank you. It's been an honor and privilege. It's been our pleasure. Exonation, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon. But if you'd like to get some more information about Jeffrey, his website is Jeffrey Darty, and you can always just Google him. But go to the website, YouTube website, and type in The Christian Whistleblower. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, gang. And like I said, we're no longer sheep. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'll be back at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue. Whatever you do, don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. 
Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. You know, Jeffrey, I, I, I think that religion is so far embedded in society today that if, in fact, it was proven that religion is nothing else but a storybook like Grimm's Fairy Tales, that the fall of society would be at hand. For example, in God We Trust is on the, is on the currency. You pledge allegiance to the flag and to God. You swear and take an oath on the Bible. I think that this charade is being maintained, and some actually believe it's for the sake of society itself, when I say, no, 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 no. Follow the money. Follow the money. And if you follow the money, you'll find out that they're, you know, like I said, religion, especially the Catholic Church, is the richest corporation in the world. They own more property, more art. In fact, they own Plaza Victoria in Montreal and the building that the Montreal Stock Exchange is in. There you go. Follow the money. It's amazing stuff. And, you know, the first rule of a bureaucracy is protect the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about religion, you are talking about great sums of money. You're talking about great, great amounts of power. And you're talking about a system that's run on a paradigm that I call the sin a salvation savior paradigm. They teach you that you have original sin. From the moment yes. you draw your first breath, you're damned to a devil's hell. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have salvation. And guess what? They say they're the, only, they're the, ones, the only ones that have a savior. So you've got to come to them, do what they say, pay what they say, go, what they, go where they say, believe what they say, or you're going to this place called hell. Now, you also mentioned earlier, and I think this is uh, if all anyone has to do is do a little bit of research on the Internet, people are leaving organized religion in droves. That's right. People are fleeing the churches. And a lot of people say they're going into atheism. I'm not sure that's true. And really, I think atheism sometimes is a requisite uh, stopover from indoctrination to enlightenment. But I think what's happening, Rob, is people are waking up and they're saying, wait a minute, something's wrong here, something's mm-hmm. messed up here, I'm getting out. But I think with a little bit of time and a little bit of perspective, People will look back and say, you know what, maybe it wasn't God, maybe it wasn't the divine that I was really not believing in. Maybe it wasn't God I hated, maybe it wasn't God that isn't real, maybe it's just religion. Because I think if we remove ourselves from the, the fear and guilt control matrix of Roman Christianity, and, and to be honest with you, Roman Christianity, Judaism, Islam, all the Abrahamic religions, if we can get ourselves out of that paradigm, give ourselves some distance, give ourselves some perspective. We can sit, sit back and say, you know what, I'm out of religion, but yet I still feel like there is a spark of something bigger than me within me. Right. And it allows people to realize, ah, it's not God that I hated, it's religion. And you can leave religion and still maintain a, religion, uh, a, a, a relationship with the Creator. And I would submit to you, Rob, that you can even improve that relationship by getting rid of religion. Is, is it possible that way back when, in early times, there was no rules, there were no answers, that religion was formed to give the members of society way back when some rules to abide by, the Ten Commandments? And as time progressed, certain people within the religious philosophy or theologies saw that the power of this religion could be wielded into vast fortunes. And instead of coming clean thousands of years ago and updating the, the chapters, that they decided, hey, why ruin a good thing? Let's keep it going. 
Now you make it the same point that uh, my friend Dr. Andy Toltec, who's a, a shaman and a uh, MD doctor, mm-hmm. and he tries to tell me, Jeffrey, you're right, but you have to remember that at the very beginning there might have been some positive motivation for it, and I think it is possible that at the beginning, you know, these rules and things were set out to help, you know, create a more peaceful society. But it didn't take long, Rob. you know, the old adage is that you know power corrupts. Yeah. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you see the same thing in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I mean, most law, law enforcement officers, you know, good people, people that want to help, you know, with society. But you yeah. get those same guys that get power hungry and, you know, they're out there knocking heads and, you know, doing things that uh, law enforcement officers shouldn't be doing. And it's a, a very much the same analogy. They probably did start out that way, but a little bit of power gets in the hand the wrong hands and all of a sudden it's corrupting and then you get to the place where we are in 2018 where religiously speaking absolute power has corrupted absolutely tell me about the reptilian connection that's a fascinating subject and you know there's you know you have david ike and you have a lot of these other there is a lot of craziness out there regarding the reptilians and we can't throw you know, the entire reptilians, I think, out with the, uh, with the bathwater. Yep. Because if you look into the book of Genesis, exactly. the linguistic, literal language fact is that mm-hmm. there was a race of upright humanoid reptilians created in Genesis 121. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they were created seven verses before we were, Rob. And the evidence shows that the Elohim, the creators, took uh, DNA from an early human uh, incarnation, yep. took the DNA from these reptilians, these majestic serpents, the Bible calls them, and produced us, modern Homo sapiens sapien. So we are, and you know, just pick up a science book, look on the internet, we are definitely a hybrid between reptilian and mammalian forms. You can't get around that. And I think the fact of the matter is, Rob, that this group of reptilian beings, the majestic serpents, mm-hmm. they existed six verses before us. Who knows how many years that represents? They were shapeshifters, just like the Elohim. They knew how to change shape and change forms. I think we've forgotten that, by and large. And the question, I think, it's not outside the realm of possibility that some of these majestic serpent beings have survived into our day, or they've reproduced, or however, they're still here. We don't know that a lot of them are here because maybe they're employing their shape-shifting technology. Maybe they're just hiding out of sight. And not only are they with us, Rob, I think that there's a distinct possibility when you look at a whole race of beings, that maybe not all of them are malevolent. There might be some that are uh, neutral towards us, and there might even be some that are benevolent towards us. And I have this crazy thought, Rob, that maybe if we were to identify the true enemies of humanity and the true enemies of uh, the reptilian humanity, we might be able to join forces together to uh, combat the real enemies of all life forms on this planet. Crazy idea, but something that's been crossing my mind lately. I've had the pleasure of having David Icke on the show a number of times, and he brings up some very interesting uh, ideas. And uh, I've had other people who have come, on, have come on the show over the years talking about reptilians who, who haven't brought up any ideas, and they've brought up more questions about themselves than anything else. But when we look around... <laughs> When we look around this planet of ours, do you think that the reptilians are still around? I do. And, you know, it used to be that I would, you know, kind of roll my eyes Mm -hmm. when I thought about David Icke. And then I actually read some of his books and looked at some of his research. And I'm not saying I agree with everything that David Icke said. I mean, heck, Rob, I don't believe with everything Jeffrey Darney said over the years, to be honest with you. But (laughs) he does open your eyes and and presents information, facts, documentation that can't just simply be swept under the rug if you're an objective, open-minded person. And, Rob, again, what I know for sure from the Scripture is that there was a race of majestic serpents created on this planet. I know from Scripture they had the ability to shapeshift. I know from living 55 years that not everybody in a race can be stereotyped as bad. It's just not reality. So I believe there's still humans around. I really believe that there's got to be some reptilians around somewhere. Are they shape-shifted? Are they hiding away? And again, not only do I believe they're here, Rob, I believe that there might be some that are benevolent, and I believe there might be some that might be willing to work with us to take back the divinity and sovereignty and authority of this planet from uh, forces that are not 
doing things to help any of us. Another thought that I used to have was that maybe the devil, or as he is, as he has been labeled by the good book, quote unquote, was actually against God for not the good, but the bad he was doing to the his creations or the creation of the gods. And he and the other fallen angels tried to do something about it. That is a great thought, and I think I think you're right. And you know, religious history and you know religious literature mm-hmm. goes out of its way to try to paint this you know pointy you know pointy tailed you know horned being as the bad guy. And if you really look throughout the scriptures, it's not there's there is I mean that being might be the very one that's writing the book. It's deception, and it gets to the book of Revelation where. It shows that this is, quote-unquote, the second coming of Christ. And this being that's coming back, that everybody's worshiping as Jesus, the Word of God, it clearly says that he's hiding his own name with a cloth, and he's presenting himself as somebody else, and he's coming back with garments that are stained with hemorrhaging blood from the multiple millions that he has slain. And here he comes back in a great could be false flag deception mm-hmm. and it's just it's, it's it's a classic shell game it's a classic game of diversion and hopefully rob enough of us will wake up soon enough to help prevent this type of event from actually taking place well i think uh, the work you're doing is certainly going to help many people get to that that thought ask important questions and get a conversation going where we can discuss these possibilities probabilities openly without the fear of sociological negativity falling down upon us. Stand by, Jeffrey. You and I have to take our break. We'll be back on the other side, and this is our final break for tonight. Jeffrey Darty's our special guest explanation. He's known as the Christian whistleblower, man after my own heart. All you need to do is go to YouTube and uh, put his name in the search engine or the Christian whistleblower. We'll be back on the other side, ExoNation, as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, you can find out more about the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. ABS Media The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Jeffrey Darty is our special guest at this hour explanation. You can find uh, all about Jeffrey on YouTube simply by putting in the search engine either Jeffrey Darty or the Christian Whistleblower. Why is it, why do you think, uh, Jeffrey, that everybody takes so much of the Bible verbatim? For example, the first four books of the Bible written by Noah. No matter what he writes, this is the very basis of, of, of the belief structure as it progresses through time. And yet, even though we know, for example, uh, Christopher Columbus didn't discover the Americas, it's still being taught in the church, I'm sorry, in the schools, and here we have the story of creation and then Exodus and so on that is still being reverend when it comes to religion. How, why do we do it? Why do people do it? Why aren't more people asking the very same questions that you ask? Well, I think probably the basic reason, Rob, is because for you've got to remember. Let's let's just go back to uh, the the time of Christ mm-hmm. in Judea and the Roman Empire. Let's just say it's zero A.D. Just okay. for a ease of, of timeline. And during that time, there wasn't a whole lot of people comparatively, you know, that were literate. There wasn't a great uh, supply of know, books and papery and things mm-hmm. like that, that everybody could sit around and read. And we were still of a place, I think, as people where we, you know, believed in the authorities, we accepted the authorities. And if you move down from there, you know, through the, you know, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the whole, uh, when the Catholic Church was in control of everything, they had all the information, they had all the knowledge, they had all the, you know, quote-unquote education, they were able to disperse and hand out things that they wanted people to have. And it wasn't until, you know, the 16th century with the invention of the printing press, the rise of the Protestant Reformation, that uh, the information began to get into the hands of the people. And so for 16 of these 21 or so centuries that we've been here, Rob, we haven't had access to a lot of the information. Mm-hmm. So I think we could plead rightfully ignorant. But now, as things have changed, especially here in 2018, we have at our fingertips this thing called the Internet, yep. which is beyond the Library of Alexandria, you can, if you have enough interest, within 15 minutes, you can know and understand everything about the Bible that a, a doctoral-level seminarian knows. So we've moved past the place of being able to plead ignorance, Rob, and I think, unfortunately, the real truth is that most people just aren't interested enough to do the work for themselves. They want to believe what somebody's telling them. We're lazy, Rob. We're, we have that sheeple mentality. And it, it amazes me, even within the, within the truth movement, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. you know, people are questioning the government as they should. You know, they're questioning the social institutions as they could, you know, should. They're questioning the Fed and everything else. But it comes to a screeching halt when you try to question the religion that's been hand-in-hand hand with this new world order for 2,000 years. All of a sudden, the blinders go up. All of a sudden, the self-censorship begins, and the cognitive dissonance takes over. And if we would just learn to be objective, as objective about religion as we are about the other great social institutions, I think it would be a great time of, of understanding, a great time of enlightenment, and there might be a little bit of changing going on, Rob. We can only hope. We can only hope. You mentioned exposing the Lord. How do you do this, and what information did you use to expose him? 
It is so simple, and again, it just beggars description. How can people not know? It's what you were so adroitly pointing out earlier in the show. All one has to do is sit down with the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and read it. Let's see. In Genesis, he killed a bunch of people. In Exodus, he killed a bunch of people. If you go through the Bible and look at all the people the Lord has killed, and and this is going to upset some people, Rob, but... We just had Charlie Manson not too long ago died. Uh, he was, you know, sentenced to a life sentence yep. for murder. But in reality, he never killed anybody. And if you look at the Lord, the Lord sent his followers to murder men, women, children. The Lord sent his followers with specific instructions: kill every man, mm-hmm. kill every boy, kill every woman, cut the babies out of wombs, dash yep. them against rocks. The Lord has done by his own admission, Rob. Time and time and time again, far more than Charlie Manson did. Charlie Manson's given a life sentence by the same people that want to file into churches on Sunday and give praise to a being that makes Charlie look like a Boy Scout. I don't, I don't understand it, Rob. That makes two of us, my friend. That truly makes two of us. Uh, can you tell us uh, some of the fallacies surrounding Jesus? And what is the difference between the Lord and Jesus? That's a great question, and I don't think there's any difference okay. between the Lord and Jesus. The Lord basically is the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible. Right. And as we look in the original scriptures, this God used to be part of those Elohim we talked about in the beginning that mm-hmm. created man in their own image. Yep. For some reason, he rebelled. He has become a fallen God. And since that time, he is the one that has, you know, he's called the prince of the powers of the air. He's called the mm-hmm. god of this world. You know, he's really the Satan or the Satan, the, the, the external part of yeah, I, uh, Satan, the adversary. I was just going to I was just going to ask Go you ahead. I was just going to ask you, is it possible that God is actually Satan? And he himself is the Alpha and the Omega. Rob, you're a very sharp individual. Linguistically, and I'm a linguistic guy, I'm a linguist guy. I'm talking about what the literal scriptures uh, translated from Hebrew and English, or from mm-hmm. Hebrew and Greek to English, what they say. I'm just telling you what they say. People can make their own conclusions, but it is linguistically impossible. It's, it's linguistically unavoidable that the being that is the Lord is the same being that is Satan is the same being that is the adversary, is the very same being that the Christ himself called my great adversary. It's linguistically unavoidable. Well, at least I know I'm not crazy, because I've been, I've believed this for many years, and I've gotten into several heated discussions with... um... And I'm very happy that you came back from the break, Rob, and didn't find your eternal demise. Well, I understand that's where all the fun's going to be, so what the heck, I still have to go to work tomorrow. Um, let's talk about blood sacrifices. Something that, something that has also baffled me is when I was younger, I used to go to church, take communion, drink this my blood. Well, wait a sec, hold on. Does that put us in the same category as vampires when we drink somebody's blood? Or people will say, well, no, this is symbolic. Is it symbolic or does it go deeper than that? Well, it depends upon what part of the Roman religion you're in. If you're in Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. when you walk into the Roman church, there he is on a crucifix, crucified. Yeah. I mean, it's dead Jesus on, this, on a stick. I say somewhat tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> and Rob, uh. Catholics don't know this. The doctrine of transubstantiation says that the, the wafer, the host, mm-hmm. literally becomes the body of Jesus. Right. The wine literally becomes the body of Jesus. I don't care how you slice it or how you dice it, pun intended. You are partaking in, A, a human sacrifice, B, a blood sacrifice, and C, it's a cannibalistic ritual. Like you said, there's a lot. you get arrested for that kind of stuff anywhere yep. else, but you get celebrated for it within the halls of, of Roman Catholicism. In Roman Protestantism, they try to say, oh, it, it's, it's just symbolic. Oh, so we're only symbolically sacrificing a human. We're only symbolically a bunch of cannibals. We're only symbolic and symbolically engaging in blood sacrifice. Come on, man. Something's wrong here. So why, why is this blood ritual so important uh, in, in your work? I think... <clears throat> sorry, I'm having a little bit of throat issues. No problem. I think 
it is all about the blood. And if you look at the Lord mm-hmm. over and over and over and over, he says, the blood's mine. Don't you touch the blood. I get all the blood. The blood's all mine. And it, there's other places in scriptures that say the, the power of life, the essence of life is in the blood. And I'm convinced, Rob, that the Lord is a being that literally gets his sustenance, literally gets his life, literally gets his power, or the best of it, from the shed of blood, that energetic essence that is within human blood. And, you know, and even better, if you can get blood that is tainted or spilled and, you know, some very powerful emotions, you know, like sacrifice, mm-hmm. like cannibalism, like murder, they are literally the Lord and his uh, servants are literally feeding off of our blood. And the analogy that you made earlier about Dracula and vampires, I think it is dead on. How else, Rob, from an, from an objective point of view, how else from an objective point of view do you explain this, especially when the Christ said don't have anything to do with blood anymore? Good points, good questions, and yet these points, questions, and references are not brought up in schools or in theological centers. All this is, is su- it's suppressed. You know, talk about, a gov- talk about a conspiracy, talk about a, go- a cover-up. You know, let's not talk about UFOs, let's not talk about Bigfoot, let's not talk about anything else, but let's talk about religion. Because I believe there's more cover-ups and conspiracies in the religious realm than anywhere else on this planet. And Rob, you do this a lot more than I do. If I may, let me ask you, why do you think we're allowed to look at all those other things that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. But uh, many times it comes to a screeching halt if someone wants to take a look and apply the same investigative techniques, the same suspicion, and the same doubt and same desire to get behind the curtain. Why does it stop at the doors of the church? Because the church is very powerful. It is the number one corporation in the world. It is a control factor. And once you ask the questions, get the answers, there is no more control. The man behind the curtain is exposed, and the great Wizard of Oz, or in this case, the great God, is just proven to be another small man hiding behind a curtain. That's very profound. I couldn't agree with you more. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Exonation Jeffrey Darty is our guest. He's called the Christian Whistleblower. For more information, just type in his name in the search engine and YouTube and be prepared to spend a lot of time listening and learning. The truth is out there, and we hope to expose it here on the Exxon. Don't go away. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. 
I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction, and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you, 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Jeffrey Darty, and he is the Christian whistleblower. Now, Jeffrey is a graduate of uh, Burene School of Bible, that's the Assemblies of God, with a perfect 4.0 GPA. He holds an Associate of Arts degree from Blue Mountain College with emphasis in geography and anthropology. He was a licensed minister for over 20 years with some of the largest Protestant denominations in the world, including the Evangelical Free Baptist Church, the Church of God in Christ, the Assemblies of God, the Church of God, and the Association of Seventh-day Pentecostal Assemblies. He has over 100,000 hours of study in biblical text. One is considered an expert in any area after only 10,000 uh, 10, hours of study. He is a certified master practitioner of lingual, neurolinguistic programming, or NLP, and he has appeared multiple times on other radio shows, both nationally and internationally. He is a veteran of the United States Air Force, having served his country at home and abroad for six years, attaining the rank of Staff Sergeant. He is the father of three children and has four of the cutest grandkids on the planet Earth. Joining me now is Jeffrey Doherty. And Jeffrey, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, Rob, thank you very much. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you and to be here with all the great uh, X-Zone uh, listeners, you have a great audience, and as I said again, it's it's my pleasure to be here with you tonight. Oh, we're super glad you have. I have to ask you something, Jeffrey. Wh who gave you the name, the Christian whistleblower? I love it. Don't take me wrong. I love it. But how did you get it? It's actually a little bit of a funny story because someone was on another you know another uh, big radio show mm -hmm. and used it of me derisively, comparing me to Edward Snowden. And I heard it, and I thought, you know what? <laughs> I kind of like that. So I adopted it, and 
it's uh, been rather effective for me. So that's how that's the origin of the Christian whistleblower moniker. So, so how do you describe yourself, or what would give anyone the impression that you are a Christian whistleblower? Like I, I've read your bio. You're you're more than qualified. You've not only served your country, and I thank you for your service, but you've thank also you. you've also served members of several denominations, and yet you're known as the Christian whistleblower. Why? Well. I left uh, the the church after 20 years uh, mm-hmm. serving as a full-time minister. I was a, both a pastor and an evangelist. And the reason I left is because, at least in my view, if we re- restrict ourselves to the actual original text of the Bible, we have uh, what's being presented today to us as the religion of Jesus or Yeshua or the Christ, whoever you term to, you know, decide to call him. I believe that I discovered there were cracks in this foundation and that the reality is that within the Bible, there's actually two faiths being presented, the one that was presented by the Christ and his apostles, and the one that was presented by the Apostle Paul, who was never called an apostle by anyone other than himself. And here we have what looks to me like two opposing, uh, two diametrically opposed uh, segments of belief, Mm -hmm. and yet the Pauline one is being sold as the real one. And I guess I'm a whistleblower by saying, hey, look, Believe what you want to believe, but I believe you have the right to have all the information. The information is you've been sold on something that's not true. You know, Mark Twain said it's easier to fool someone than it is to convince them they've been fooled, but that doesn't mean, Rob, I'm going to stop trying. Hey, I don't blame you for that. In fact, I, I applaud you. Uh, I've always believed that even though the Bible is the greatest selling book of all times, that there are a lot of, and I'll use your words in it, cracks in it. Because, for example, in the very first chapter of Genesis, uh, during the creation, God said, and let us create man in our image, our likeness. And yet, nobody ever tells us who the hour is. You're exactly right, Robin. It really goes back to the fourth word in the whole Bible, in the beginning, right. God. Yeah. And we, we hear that word God, and we think a guy that looks, you know, not, not different from you and I, you know, gray mm-hmm. hair, big, long beard, you know, Charlton Heston, something like that. <laughs> and if you look at the word, Rob, the word is Elohim. And if you look at that word in, in its definition, doesn't matter what you think, what you mm-hmm. believe, the word itself means gods and goddesses, male and female, right. more than one. And if you drop down where we're created, it says they created us in their image, male and female, yes. created they us. So if they're male and female, they created us male and female. Seems to make a lot more sense to me, Rob, than what we've been uh, told and sold for who knows how many thousand years, at least two. I agree with you, and, and in my way of thinking, and, and I do not have nearly the amount of theological training and, and professionalism and experience you have, when I look at that and God said, let us create man in our likeness, our image, blah, 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 well then, does, that doesn't, doesn't that mean that each one of us are, are basically gods ourselves? Well, Rob, that's, that's the other big difference between Pauline religion and the religion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Pauline religion tells us we're born with original sin. Uh, we have to have salvation. They've got the only Savior. And the religion of the Christ, you're right on, says you are born with the spark of divinity exactly. within. And he's, the Christ gave us ways and truths that will lead us into life and life more abundantly. So that's my story, Rob, and I'm sticking to it. Hey, listen, if you, you know, just count me in with you on this, my friend. I agree with you 150%, because I was actually kicked out of the Anglican Church at the age of 11, because I (laughs) asked questions. For example, you know, Adam and Eve, that means two, right? One and one equals two. And then they had Cain and Abel, so that's one and one, one and one, that equals four. One brother kills the other. That means there's three. Am I right so far? Okay. Uh, your math sounds sound to me. Okay. And then it says, and he crossed the desert and the mountains to where he laid with, with his wife. Where the hell did she come from? That's one of the great uh, classic conundrums yeah. within the scriptures. And, uh, you know, let me be clear. I believe the Bible has a lot of truth in it. So do I. I'm probably a, a closer follower of the teachings of the Christ now than I was when I believed 100% of it. Mm-hmm. But by my estimation, the Bible's probably 70% dung, 20, 30% diamond. You know, I often wonder what the Bible looked like prior to the Council of Nicaea. It's a great question. 
There's a lot of questions in the Bible, and I think that, you know, the, the psalm that says, and the Lord is my shepherd. Well, you know what? I think here in the year 2018, we need to put the fact that we're not sheep anymore, that we have to take a leading role. And I believe that this is one of the reasons why many people are falling away from established religious philosophy, because it, it's two-sided. There are so many different rules for so many different people. You know, for example, uh, you've got... I mean, let me put it to you this way. I'm an ex-cop. If I look at what God did in the Bible, you know, that's child abuse. That's homicide, especially when you kill your own kids. Because if you're the creator, and you created one and all, and you killed all those people at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, you flooded the earth and you killed everything, all the animals, all the plants, all the people except Noah and his family, and two of two of, of everything within the ark, and then you killed Egyptians, and so on and so forth, that is murder. If you are the creator, and you are the father, and you are the God of the creator of all, you've killed your own people. To me, that is horrific, and I can't understand why people still pray to him, give him reverence or her reverence, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, this is all wrong. How far am I off base with this? Well, Robert, as a former law enforcement officer, I think your instincts are right on. Because not only is everything you, you said true, you wouldn't even have to have much of a trial because this God is a self-confessed murderer. Exactly. He's a self-confessed mm-hmm. person of rage and vengeance. So not only has he done it, not only is it uh, there's plenty of evidence that he's done it, he has admitted that he's done it. So it is an open and shut case. And why in the world people continue to follow him, Rob, I just can't figure it out. Well, let's try and work on this question and many others when we come back from this break. Exonation Jeffrey Doherty is our special guest. And is that how you pronounce your fa- family name, Doherty? It's, it's really just like party with a D, so Darty. Darty, all right, Darty. Uh, and if you'd like to find out more about uh, Jeffrey, go to YouTube and just search The Christian Whistleblower. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and if I don't come back from this commercial break, you know I've gone to hell. But I'll find a way to get back to each and every one of you. Don't worry, we'll be back. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. 
For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.